Good day. You're listening to the 125th edition of Free City Radio. I'm Stefan Christoph. Thanks so much for tuning in. This program will feature a conversation that I recorded in Brooklyn, New York, with John Tarleton. John is the founding editor of The Independent, which is a newspaper that is distributed across different boroughs of New York City. It emerged in the context of independent media movements uh, that were taking place during the global justice mobilizations against global economic inequality and also local forms of economic injustice. Um, the independent continues today. It has played a very important role in sharing the voices of community organizers, essential frontline workers during the pandemic, and continues to be a critical voice within the New York media landscape that is unique, important, and really is an excellent project. I spoke with John on the roof of the building where the Independent has an office, Brooklyn Commons, and here's our conversation. Yeah, here at the Independent, we're about to celebrate our 22nd anniversary in September. Uh, the paper was founded uh, in the ferment of the global justice movement of the late 1990s and early 2000s. It's uh, been a, a, a free a free paper for free people, as, as our slogan goes. Uh, throughout those 22 years, we also have a website, a weekly radio show, and uh, and, and it's a paper that's always uh, tried to really tell the story of, of working class New Yorkers, uh, the struggles they go through, uh, and, and the movements for, for justice in the city. And we, as you said, we also have an international perspective. We often have uh, coverage uh, from other corners of the world that uh, gives, I think, gives our readers more perspective, not only on the larger world, but also a chance to reflect on kind of how uh, we, the experiences we have here in New York and the United States. Uh, our, our staff is mostly volunteer. Uh, we, we have, uh, you know, a couple of, of paid staff to kind of keep everything, uh, you know, uh, moving along and, and take care of uh, organizational work. Um, and we've always had uh, really tremendous people that participate this in this. Uh, and uh, we, we managed to attract all kinds of writers and we really try to bring out different perspectives here in the city. And uh, uh, I think, yeah, the independent has become, uh, you know, a, a very distinct feature yes. uh, of the mediascape here in New York. And uh, I think something that a lot of readers value. And uh, we're fortunate to obviously still be standing. And uh, we managed to persevere through the pandemic as well. And, uh, um, yeah, it, it's, it's uh, people's media at a pretty... Uh, <laughs> raw and grassroots uh, level for sure respect, respect. Um, so th yeah there's a lot I'd like to ask you about the paper in general but we see this new edition it's called Fear Inc um, just as an example like each issue has sort of a theme but then you have a bunch of different articles can you talk about the recent edition right so our, our current issue uh, the front page headline uh, says fear Inc how our desire to be safe has been hijacked to keep an unjust status quo in place and we have a very vivid uh, illustration to go with it that sort of uh, uh, captures the theme of the cover article uh, about that uh, uh, looks at the uh, nexus uh, of 
fear-mongering politics, uh, corporate media, and the police. And here in New York, our new mayor, Eric Adams, is is a a retired uh, uh, police officer who uh, really rode this wave of public uh, fear and concern about crime last year uh, with the promise that only he could solve uh, these problems uh, and and became our new mayor and has frankly uh, taken the city in a more, I'd say, authoritarian uh, direction. Also, uh, his campaign was lavishly financed by some of the richest people in the city. So the priorities of his administration have been this combination of sort of hyper-policing uh, for the poor and the, and the uh, socially marginalized and, and very uh, favorable treatment to the 1% and, and, and their concerns. And, uh, you know, this issue was meant to be sort of an intervention in that because I, it... Um, It's an ambulance, but uh, Thank you. Um, that you know, part of what we're living with in New York, uh, the media has so hyped up uh, its coverage of crime that uh, the public's perception of, of the situation we're in has, I, I would argue, has been somewhat warped. That crime uh, did go up during the pandemic, but. It's nowhere near as severe as it was 20 or 30 years ago, uh, and, and 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 this fear and concern has been weaponized politically to put someone like Adams and and his the ruling class interests that he represents in power, and so this, you know, our our coverage looks at that, and the writer that we rec- who wrote this for us. Uh, John Tufel, he uh, joined us at the beginning of this year and has been writing a monthly column online for us about the Adams administration. Uh, his background was as an investigator for something called the Civilian Complaint Review Board, which handles the public uh, complaints against the police department. And it, while it's a fairly toothless agency, um, you know, it, 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 he had the chance... It, uh, during that part of his career to really kind of see the underbelly of the NYPD and how it functions. And he's now a private litigator who has fought, you know, various uh, freedom of information uh, uh, lawsuits to kind of bring more of the NYPD's uh, conduct to, to public light. And, and with Adam, Adams's background as a, a 22-year police officer at the NYPD, he's that, the culture of the NYPD has thoroughly... Uh, you know, enter the, the mayor's office. And so this article attempts to, again, disc- you know, investigate the nexus of, of uh, political demagoguery and, and media uh, uh, manipulation, but also to interrogate, uh, you know, the, the culture of policing and how it's uh, thoroughly saturated our uh, local uh, political uh, is thoroughly saturated city hall now wow. so I think John did a wonderful job in, in part uh, not only because he's a knowledgeable writer but he's <laughs> he's a really funny uh, uh, savvy observer of of, uh, of things and so he he managed to 
bring a, you know, a, a lot of uh, very profound analysis, but unpack it in a way that, uh, you know, makes you, uh, you know, both laugh and shake your head at the same time. And you, and you come away, I think, uh, you know, with a deeper understanding of, of, of this uh, nexus of, <laughs> a nexus of uh, malevolent forces uh, that currently have the upper hand in the city. This could point. And, and I would say, mm-hmm. I don't think any other publication would produce this kind of coverage, even ones that might be critical. I don't think that I've seen anybody unpack the, um, this relationship between politics, policing, and the media in the way that we did in this uh, uh, cover article. And also, you know, we always try to, uh, you know, supplement you know, our big articles with uh, sidebars and other material and a, a, a couple of things we did like we're saying how the oh you know the me, like the media has like almost like kind of stampeded the public to a certain extent into this you know sort of unthinking fear and so we use because we were in a print format we were able to reprint uh, some various uh, eight uh, very lurid uh, recent covers of the New York Post which is the Murdoch owned uh, right wing tabloid here in the city that really sort of sets the tenor of a, a lot of local news coverage because a lot of the local television stations, their uh, news coverage uh, keys off of uh, what's in the post. So we, we kind of show like the post and it's sort of lurid <laughs> craziness at the same time. We have the beautiful cover illustration uh, that we also used inside from this artist, David Hollenbach. And we also uh, went back and looked at the murder rate in New York City and uh, from 1963 when like modern record keeping began uh, up until uh, last year and and and, and, and created this uh, you know very uh, nice looking graph here that shows the both the rise of the murder rate in New York throughout from the late 1960s to the early 1990s and then uh, the decline over time and while we've had an increase during the pandemic the murder rate is still less now than it was during Michael Bloomberg's third term in office uh, when the media constantly hailed New York as the safest big city in the country. So when it was convenient for the narrative of power that, that you know, the billionaire mayor was like reigning in crime and New York has never been safer, that was the message. Now, it, you know, they, essentially the powers that be wanted to bring another neoliberal full tilt neoliberal mayor into power so all of a sudden crime is out of control we must crack down and uh so i think that yeah by just kind of charting it and showing it it you know and and you gotta have that kind of very uh precise Mm -hmm. uh you know visually depicted uh reality here and then you contrast that visually with the lurid covers of the new york post yeah yeah which is possible in a newspaper yeah, you can do that in a newspaper format. And then and one other item we added to the, to the mix is called Hope versus Fear. And it looked at the kind of uh, a political messaging. In, in we, we recently had uh, uh, Democratic Party primaries uh, for uh, our state legislative races here in New York. And, and we have a, we've had a rising Democratic Socialist uh, movement here in the city in, in recent years after the Bernie Sanders presidential campaigns and AOC going to Congress and we currently have six democratic socialists in the state legislature and 
you know, the the super wealthy that put Eric Adams in office, like they want to snuff this out. They don't like that. You know, they don't want to see more uh, more of these kind of people, you know, people from a working class background espousing openly socialist politics, winning public office. <laughs> Even though state legislature in the overall scheme of things isn't that big of a deal, but it's still something. And and, uh, and they don't want it to go further. So in these local races now, they inundate, like they pour tremendous amounts of money into sort of the, the more corporate uh, candidates. And they, and they also pour tremendous amounts of money into just negative attack, mm. attacks against a socialist and leftist candidates and the, and the thing they've been emphasizing for the last couple of years is like oh if you vote for this person you know they're gonna like you know abolish the police and let criminals run wild and you know and you won't be safe and and, and it's been uh, it's been pretty effective because it's it it, it complements all this other messaging that people get every day oh, you're in danger you know you must put the police in full control and never question them and and uh, so we we just juxtapose and the thing is the 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 billionaires that are financing you know these these attack campaigns they don't care about the safety of working class people i mean they're off on their yachts or their mansions in the hamptons or whatever you know living their you know gilded life they're they're concerned that their taxes are going to go up or that their you know real estate uh interests are going to be slightly less profitable uh, you know, if tenants are given more you know, rights, and that's that's what they care about. But they can't say that. They can't, you know, say vote for so and so, so you know, Mr. Billionaire can get another tax cut. And so they, they they lock onto the crime issue and, and and ride that relentlessly. And we and we just juxtapose these two images of uh, related to the uh, state legislative campaign in low, in the Lower East Side of Manhattan, uh, featuring this uh, Peruvian. Uh, immigrant uh, social worker who ran as a socialist for state legislature uh, with support of other leftists in the city, including uh, AOC. And, and, you know, he basically ran on, especially on emphasizing the importance of uh, adopting a Green New Deal for New York. And, and you have these side-by-side images uh, uh, of, of the candidate. One is like, it's all like bright and colorful and it's like, you know, uh, emphasizing his support for you know a green new deal and a better new york and then the other image is one of the uh, attack uh uh mail you know they send these mailers and it goes to everybody's mailbox and you know people would get these lurid uh, mailers and, and this one just shows him you know looking like a total criminal <laughs> like you know he, he you know uh his crime continues to rise you know this person will you know put you in great danger and you know and so you see this, so it's kind of, we, we call it hope versus fear. And unfortunately, once people's fears have sort of been triggered, it's very hard to uh, put, you know, to suppress that. Uh, and, and, and and he lost. He lost to, to uh, the other candidate who was backed by all these uh, Wall Street interests. And uh, um, so for the left, it's a big challenge in this city uh, how to uh, get control over the uh, the narrative around crime and, and and public safety, but I mean, one thing we just tried to emphasize in in this issue was how wh- while people certainly have 
it's totally legitimate to want to be safe and not be a, a victim of violent crime. It, it, the actual chance that will happen to you is still, you know, small. And, and, and more importantly, the, the solutions to crime that exists uh, cannot all be accomplished by just putting more police on the streets. There's much deeper social, you know, mm-hmm. uh, inequities that have to be uh, addressed. But and we just wanted people to un- think for a minute about how essentially these ruling class interests are trying to manipulate their desire, you know, the very natural desire to be safe to advance a whole political agenda. Like, you basically use that fear to, to then, and the fear is like a Trojan horse, and then they bring everything in with it that, that actually harms most people in the city. And, 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 I mean, they're, the, the new uh, annual budget that was passed, the police department's fully funded, they're, and they're cutting hundreds of millions of dollars from the public schools. So the teachers are going to be laid off. You know, other staff in the schools are going to be laid off. And it's like it, 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 any politician that ran on that says, I'm going to, like, defund your schools, they, they could never win. So, again, they ride, they ride this other issue that's so emotional for people. And, and then and then pursue the actual agenda they w- that they want. But we, in this case, what we're trying to do here is to kind of deconstruct how that fear is created and, and, and then use uh, uh, to, uh, you know, m- manipulate people, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so, um, you know, hopefully it's a useful intervention in some ways in, in the discourse of the, you know, of the city. And... Uh, yeah, so that I mean that's that was our, our cover story, our cover package, uh, this issue, and you know I mean we had other uh, you know very good coverage as well, um, and uh, you know one that I was happy about you know we also really try to have a, a visually compelling paper as well. I, we I, obviously we can't <laughs> exactly show that on the radio, but you know uh, we try to have uh, vivid cover images, uh, a nice layout. Uh, strong photography, all the, all the things that would make the paper really attractive to to look at, because you know people like uh, beauty or uh, uh, attractive looking, you know things. Uh, so instead of just like trying to jam uh, tons of text into every page and just expect people to read it because it's good for them, <laughs> you know it's like okay, how can we make this look? You know. All that, yeah. So that your eyes really want to linger on the pages, and then we can, you know, bring. Yeah, absolutely. Aesthetics matter, and sometimes leftists uh, forget about that. So yeah, because we think that people, it's easy to think, oh, like our message is so important, our analysis is so important, we can't, you know, we have to focus on that, and we like spend a lot of time or space on aesthetics. That's not like, uh, you know, uh, whatever. You know, we're we're. That's a, a, a distraction. Anyway, we've always tried to uh, blend the uh, a, a thought, a thoughtful uh, articles with a visually compelling presentation. Um, anyway, like one thing we had was this center spread photo essay uh, from outside of uh, a local abortion clinic where uh, both right wing anti abortion uh, uh, activists and 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 pro-abortion rights uh, advocates uh, regularly face off. Wow. And, uh, 
and, and, and the photojournalist who did this for us, Nina Berman, uh, she, she's been uh, f following the, the anti-choice, I don't even want to call it anti-abortion, just anti-choice uh, right-wing movements for over 30 years. And she reached out to us and, and, and she had been following the paper and she's like, I want to, like, you know, she started her career in sort of uh, underground journalism like 40 years ago. And she's like, you know, I, I want to like work with y'all some. So nice. she she you know did this and and we were proud to have it in the in, in the paper and it gives you yeah in a, in a visual way of uh, you 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 can kind of see mm -hmm. uh, get a sense of the forces that, that this uh, you know anti-abortion rights moment have kind of uh, called forth Often, and it also is yeah. also intended Often. to remind our readers mm -hmm. that while well, a state like New York it is very pro-choice sure, sure. you know people shouldn't kid them you know selves that the that the anti-choice forces will ignore a place like new york because we, a, a lot of women are going to be coming to sanctuary states like new york well you can you can you know bet your last dollar that the right-wing forces are gonna e even though they, they're in no position to outlaw abortion in a place like new york that doesn't mean they won't try to uh uh, obstruct or harass or in other ways uh, you know make it a more difficult experience uh, for women uh, who come here often the independent addresses current events but from a more systemic analysis yes. so like looking at sort of a sense of reporting with like an understanding of the systems at play and I think it's a, a real history also thank you I, I think it's so important today um, in the context of social media uh -huh. where there's a great amount of organizing that happens and you know hashtag mobilizations that are addressing like critical issues uh, in in a way that's become quite mainstream like you know um, but in 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 uh, collaboration or in a complementary way why is it also important to sustain projects like The Independent where you have the space, the time to actually go into depth about about these questions beyond like a brief social media post? Well, I think a lot of people want this. That, I mean, I, I think people welcome the, the print analog format. Yeah. Some, you know, uh, in, in not, not most of us, you know, are on our phone or on our computers, and, and, and that's all great for the speed and the convenience. But I think for a lot of people, it is both, you know, reading in a print, reading in a print format is a different experience. Whether it's a newspaper or a book, like your your brain just, you know, uh, act you know, acts differently. It's a it's a deeper form of, of reading, and it's more it's much more relaxing than than just sort of being wired into your phone and. And, you, know, you know, clicking from one story or one tweet to the next, and, and uh, so I think people welcome that experience. Uh, but then, yeah, I think they also welcome stories that are timely and relevant, but mm -hmm. also engage them and, and invite them to think about and understand these immediate uh, uh, stories that we're covering in a in a more holistic, in, in, in systemic way, and, and and we try to do it. When we provide context and history and a systemic, uh, you know, uh, understanding, we try to do it in in a, in a 
non-academic way. We're like we're not trying to, sure, sure. Uh, you know, write a PhD about anything. We're not, uh, you know, trying to, uh, you know, sort of beat the pe- people over the head with like, you have to know all this. But it's just like it's integrated into the coverage mm-hmm. in a way that does allow people to be like, okay, like I, you know, I hadn't thought about it, you know, on that level. Or I didn't know, you know, this part of the, of the story, and uh, and I think people value that because because obviously most of the media doesn't provide that um i think a lot of time even well-meaning journalists uh you know are under a lot of uh you know deadline pressure especially with like the 24 7 news cycle you know to just like do a quick hit move on to something else uh you know taking time to provide a, a kind of a deeper context is like inefficient and and of course a lot of media is just like you know sensationalist or um uh, and, and they're not even, you know, interested in providing that perspective if they did have more time to well, to work that out. Post. Sure. And then, I mean, the New York Post is very good at what it does, um, but <laughs> it, it's a very uh, sensationalistic um, uh, approach to the news with with a, a heavy right wing slant as well. Um, so, you know, I think there's things we've we can learn from the tabloids in terms about how to have a, a really dynamic uh, visual presentation, uh, you know, how to write your headlines and things like that in a way that engage people, uh, you know, that essentially makes people feel like, okay, this paper like understands me, relates to me. And, and, uh, and, and so that's something I've always had my, I guess, eye on. It's like, you, you live in New York. We used to have two great daily, uh, tabloids, the Post and the Daily News. The Daily News is I mean, basically a, a, a ghost of its former self. I, you hardly even see it around anymore. Um, but uh, their use of the tabloid form essentially as ruling class propaganda was incredibly effective um, for, because it was visually compelling, yeah. because the writing was uh, snappy and entertaining. The headlines were... Uh, will grab your attention and, and you know and, and that the, those paper you could feel like those papers were really talking to you and under you know yeah. uh, and uh, so we, we try to uh, utilize some of those uh, techniques uh, but at the same time like respect our readers in a way to engage them uh, on, a, on a deeper on a deeper level so I think um, it's an interesting combination the independent yeah, we're we're all also online yet yeah, independent.org. We 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 not only put all the articles uh, from our print a monthly print edition online, we do uh, regular coverage between print editions and our, our coverage between print editions is sort of more immediate sort of news coverage. I mean, with uh, you know like you know, like this demonstration happened yesterday or this, you know, it's it, it, it's more of a quick turnaround kind of stuff and we do stuff on social media and all that. And we, like I said, we have a, now have a weekly radio show, and so we definitely can know how to do the a more immediate news coverage. Um, but uh, you know, with the with the newspaper, we're able to uh, take a little more time to, to develop material in a in a different way. Thank you, John, for the time. Sure. Yeah. Thanks. It's always good to talk to you, Stephanie. Likewise. Thanks. That was a conversation with John Tarleton, who is the founding editor of the independent newspaper, 
uh, in New York City. You can find them online at indypendent.org. Independent is a critical and important media project in New York City that has long shared, highlighted, prioritized the voices of community organizers. They operated throughout the pandemic, putting forward uh, an important network of voices that were highlighting the work of essential frontline workers, of community organizations. Their work continues today. And it was really a pleasure to speak with John uh, in Brooklyn, New York for Free City Radio. Thank you for being with us today, John. Free City Radio airs every week on CKUT 90.3 FM in GeoGeage, Montreal at 11 a.m. on Wednesdays, also on CGLO 1690 a.m. in GeoGeage, Montreal, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Also airing on Wednesdays at 11.30 a.m. at 101.9 FM in Kingston, Ontario, CFRC, and on CKUW at 8 a.m. on Tuesdays at 95.9 FM in the Treaty 1 territory of the Métis Nation in Winnipeg. You can find us on SoundCloud and Spotify. Please tell a friend uh, and share this program. Give us a review. Uh, It would be really great. Uh, You can find us on Apple Podcasts, of course. And our archives are all at soundcloud.com slash freecityradio. Thank you for being with us this week. I will go out with a piece of music by the ensemble Jamio Brown Transcendence. Take care and talk to you soon.